Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Today we do four questions about the Cleveland Browns. But first, of course, my question for you is why haven't you signed up for Football Insider yet? If you have signed up, I'm sorry. Thank you for signing up. But if you haven't, why haven't you signed up for Football Insider yet? Uh, You get exclusive content directly in your inbox, a newsletter, every single day. You get access to our exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns and uh, of course, we have our texting service, which gives you opportunities to be a part of our post-game show, uh, a part of our Picks podcast every Friday, which I am absolutely not doing well in the last two weeks, but I'm going to turn that around this week. Uh, and also, you get texts from me, Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis, with news, analysis, little nuggets from interviews we do, things like that. So it, it's definitely worth checking out. Head to cleveland.com slash browns, click on the blue banner at the top of the page to get more information and to get signed up. Now on to our Tuesday podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great today, Dan. How you doing? Doing well, and it is just us here today on the Tuesday edition of the podcast. So uh, I thought, let's do some questions. Every now and again, we like to throw out some questions and kind of see where we are with this football team. So I came up with four of them, and here we go. Let's just start here. Nick Chubb was fantastic on Sunday uh, against uh, Houston in that 10-7 win. Of course, everybody remembers that 59-yard run, stepping out of the one, but him and Kareem Hunt both go over 100 yards. Uh, We saw what this offense was without Nick Chubb. And we saw kind of the impact it had on Kareem Hunt having to carry the ball every, you know, kind of be the featured back. So the question off that game is, did Nick Chubb earn an extension on Sunday? Well, you know, I I think he made a a very strong case for himself. (laughs) And I think the thing about Nick Chubb is that he has sort of become in some ways the face of the franchise a little bit, you know, I mean, he's, he's such a fan favorite. Uh, He's such a team favorite. He embodies the spirit of what the Cleveland Browns are looking for in a player. And that showed up on that last play where he went out of bounds at the one instead, instead of trying to, you know, pad his stats and stuff like that. So I, uh, you know, I think he really is Cleveland Browns football. And I think that, you know, I do think that, they probably would like to extend him. He's the kind of player that you would like to spend that kind of money on. And Andrew Berry was here when they drafted him. 
And I think that's a huge, huge plus for him uh, that Andrew would, Andrew would like to keep his own sort of homegrown players, even if they were uh, from his first iteration. But yeah, I, I think he went a long way towards, uh, you know, towards proving, but I think he's done that all along. Let's just say towards reminding people uh, that he deserves the big bucks. I, I want so badly to be the guy that's like, well, you don't ever pay running backs. We've learned that over and over again. And that is true. You know, you, you don't pay running backs. You're not supposed to pay running backs. And every time we say that this guy's different, he's not different. But I, I just think with Nick Chubb, like, if you can sign him after this offseason, there's no fifth-year option. So you just tack it on to that fourth year. You put a bunch of money up front. And, and I kind of looked. So, you know, like Joe Mixon uh, recently signed his deal that runs through his age 28 season in 2024. But really by 2023, when he's 27, they can save a lot of money on that deal if, if they want to move on. It's, it's a deal that you can get out of if you want to. It's really the first two years where they absolutely couldn't do anything uh, with that deal. And the third year would be a little expensive. Um, Dalvin Cook is a guy kind of the same situation. So uh, his age 28 season with years left on that contract, they could save a lot of money if they wanted to. So I guess to me, it's first of all, because, you know, there are some optics here. You don't want to just let the guy walk. He is a fan favorite. He does sort of embody what you do on this football team pay him for these next few years and then kind of reassess with that contract. If you give him a five-year extension, it doesn't mean he has, you have to pay for the whole five years, right? You know, pay for these prime years and then kind of reassess if you need to. Yeah, I, I agree with all of those things. And I think you'll agree with this part too. It's part optics, right? I right. mean, how do you let Nick Chubb go? I mean, this is a guy that fights his way back from injury. This is a guy that straps, you know, three, got you know straps the football team on his back and runs across the goal line right I mean he breaks tackles like crazy I, I just think that he is the the kind of player uh, that they are trying to build on this football team and and have if you're trying to change the culture you know like you would put his poster up in in the locker room and say you know just be like Nick right or you would get little bracelets and say you know what would Nick do and just have everybody wear those around so He's more than just a running back, because I think you and I both agree, and especially in the world of analytics, you can kind of find running backs. You know, you can go get a running back somewhere, especially when you have a really good offensive line. The other thing to consider here, too, is if you are going to move forward with Baker Mayfield, and it just seems to me, and I've said this before, and I think you and I probably agree with this, too. It, you know, if they know for sure he's great, they can give him the extension. We haven't seen that yet. If they know for sure he's absolutely horrible, forget it. It's over. If he's somewhere in the middle, you have to give him his fifth-year option and just keep moving forward with him and see what next year brings. Um, so if you're going to do that, you want that two-headed monster. You really are going to need Kareem and Nick, especially to play this brand of Cleveland Browns football on the lakefront in November and December. I mean, what did we just see these past two games? Yeah. We're expecting more weather, right? We're expecting more weather this coming Sunday against the Eagles. So uh, for this football team in this city with that quarterback, I would definitely do it. Yeah, I, I mean, a running back is kind of like, there's sort of an analogy there with like when you buy a car. Or like, like, you know that when that contract ends, you're not going to have more value than you had when you first bought it, right? But it's still probably worth it. 
especially with a guy like Chubb, you're getting it early on. You know, there's still low mileage on him when you when you sign the contract. Um, you know, in the case of Miles Garrett, you paid for upside, I think, and, and you're going to get a lot of value out of uh, Miles Garrett's contract. There's going to come a point where Nick Chubb goes the way of every other running back that signs a big extension, but I, I'd be okay with paying for those early years, especially because of the Baker Mayfield point as well. If you're not going to be paying Baker, 40 million a year, or if you're not going to know that you're going to pay him 40 million a year after this season, then you, you kind of need to have all that structure around him to, to make him successful. So right now it's, it seems like even though this is an analytics front office and even though it, it you know, everything points to, you don't sign running backs. I, I think you do it with Chubb and we are starting to see more and more teams do that, especially with young guys. Yeah. Okay. And, and I think the other thing, Oh, I was going to say, I think the other thing to, to think about there too, real quick, is um, that, you know, they're going to probably also make a decision on Odell right. after this year, because he's supposed to make $15 million next year. And depending on how the rest of this season goes, they will be reevaluating re-eval- that ton of money. And if they don't allocate all that there, then you can give some more money to Nick Chubb. Right. Okay, let's move on to our next question. And this has to do with someone we were just talking about, Baker Mayfield. Uh, So he had his worst game against Pittsburgh uh, back in week five, was it? Was it week five or week six? I can never remember the weeks. Whatever it was, he had his worst game against Pittsburgh. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, played okay against the Colts, had a bad half, bad second half against the Colts. But played his worst game against Pittsburgh, came back, had probably his best game against Cincinnati, maybe the best game of his whole career against Cincinnati and then had these two windy games against the Raiders and against the Texans. So have we learned anything about Baker Mayfield since the Pittsburgh game? Is there anything, do we know anything more about him as the long-term quarterback of this team than we did after that Pittsburgh game? Well, you know what? I actually do think that there was some good data uh, to be gleaned from the Cincinnati game. He did some things in that game that they really needed him to do. And we've talked about this. He didn't do it again, you know, when he was pressured. He didn't do it with a lot of pressure in his face. He didn't do it against a great defense. He did it against the Bengals. And he has feasted on the Bengals since he came into the NFL. So you have to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. But he did what he needed to do in that game. He came back in a very difficult situation. And he won the game for them. And he needed to do that. If he did not do that, I almost think that it was, you know, that would have really worked against him in, in a big, huge way. But the fact that he came back and, and made those plays and made those throws and was on the money in that game, I think that was more than just, you know, a victory over to the Bengals to, to this organization. I think it showed them that he's got the moxie, the swagger, the accuracy, uh, and the ability to come back and, you know, put the team on his shoulders and be the reason that they win a game. They needed to see it. Uh, and since then, as you mentioned, it's been really difficult to get a read on Baker Mayfield in these two windy games. However, I thought he actually did some decent things against the Raiders, even in those harsh conditions. And his receivers dropped five passes. Right. I think, right? I think they would have won that game if his receivers would have hung on to those passes. And then, when you didn't have a drop, you had Harrison Bryant on the opening drive getting stripped of the football. So every single offensive, they didn't have very many offensive possessions, 
but all the ones that they did included a big drop that basically blew up the possession. So I think he actually, I think I thought that was another encouraging performance for him. Yeah. I mean, coming off the Pittsburgh game, we were wondering if this guy would even finish the season as the starter. So, you know, I think we're past that. I think the frustration is probably after the Cincinnati game, we just haven't gotten an idea of kind of where the level is now, right? The Cincinnati game, those were both such extremes. He's not going to do either of those things every Sunday. We just don't know kind of where that middle ground is right now. Is he, you know, more, is he closer to what we saw against the Bengals or is he closer to what we saw against the Steelers? And it's just, I guess it's probably a little frustrating to not know that because we've talked about it over and over again. This team has decisions to make on Baker Mayfield after this season. And I don't know if we're going to have all the data necessary for them to make those decisions. Uh, But there were encouraging signs against the Raiders. He did make a big throw against the Texans on third and 18. Uh, And and now I want to see him. I've said this a couple of times on here. Weirdly, I really want to see him go against this Philly pass rush because that's sort of his kryptonite is pressure. And so I want to see if Philly can create some pressure and how he, how he responds to that against the team he should be able to beat. Yes, exactly. I agree with you. That will be, even though they have only won three games, they do bring some pressure. And, and that is when traditionally Baker has struggled against pressure. Now they'll probably run the ball a lot. Uh, they're not going to give him too many opportunities, uh, you know, to, to make mistakes, to throw interceptions, to turn the ball over. So I think they really are going to to wear out their two-headed monster here uh, because there's so much at stake. This is not, this season is not about, Hey, let's see, you know, what Baker can do against pressure. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like they really can't afford to do that. Now, some teams can, some teams can try to figure out what is our quarterback and maybe do things a little bit differently, but they can't do that. All these guys can do is figure out how the heck to win a, a football game And if they get some good eval on Baker along the way, so be it. If not, uh, they are committed to trying to make the playoffs. But there are other considerations here just besides can he manage a game? Can he, you know, can they win with him? That is setting the bar too low. That's setting the bar too low in the AFC North. The AFC North, you can see what's going on here. I mean, Ben, I mean, he, he looks great this year. So I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. Joe Burrow looks amazing. And if they build around him the way that you think that they should and could, I mean, they, they're going to be a really good football team. Lamar, he's having some of his struggles, but whatever's going on there, the Ravens are usually good enough to get these things figured out and correct their problems. So I think it's going to be a really good division for a long time, but not only do you have to take into account the AFC North, you have to look around you and see what else is going on at the quarterback position in general in the NFL. And there are some great quarterbacks right now, right? Young, really good quarterbacks. All you had to do was watch, Uh, Kyler Murray versus Josh Allen last night to go, whoa, you know, that's where the bar has to be set. The bar has to be set at now. There's not going to be many Patrick Mahomes, right? Like you can't set the bar there, but there are some amazing quarterbacks in the, in the NFL right now, good young quarterbacks. And if you want to get to where you want to go, you're going to have to beat those guys, especially the ones in the AFC North. 
So that's what they have to decide. They have to say, okay, maybe we can win with them. Maybe we can not win nine games with them, but can we get to the Super Bowl with him? Because that is the ultimate goal. Yeah. You know, the Roethlisberger thing is interesting because even if, you know, let's say they win the Super Bowl this year and Ben's like, you know what? I'm old. I hurt. I'm going to hang it up. Would it surprise you if, if Kevin Colbert figured out a way to get like a, you know, find somebody on the scrap heap that could just get into that Steelers culture. And, you know, I mean, they always draft great receivers and have great structure, like, you know, I don't, Sam Darnold or, you know, who know, maybe Carson Wentz, somebody like that, you know, would, would it surprise you that the Steelers were able to just sort of really quickly turn around and find the next guy just because the Steelers aren't a team that are going to bottom out. They're going to always try to compete and, they're going to be aggressive to try and, and find the next guy when Ben does decide to hang it up. Absolutely. 100%. You're so right about that. I was just even listening to uh, Mike Tomlin. I can't remember why I was hearing Mike Tomlin's voice today. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it was, radio or TV or something. And, you know, he was just talking about, Hey, you know what, if you take away our pass, we're going to run it down your throat. You take away our run. We're going to pass it. You know, I, I think it was on the way home last night from the game, but um, he, he talks about how uh, they're so multiple. Well, they're not going to just like forget about the quarterback position. They, they right. will have a contingency plan. So they're either going to have Ben or they're going to have somebody else really good playing quarterback for them, no matter how they have to try to find that person. So yes, I, I don't think that they are going anywhere anytime soon. They are a sustained success organization. They will find a way. Yeah, they'll they'll figure it out. They're they're not going to pull a, a Dolphins or a, you know a Jets or anything like that. They're gonna they're gonna find somebody that they can get in their building and develop. All right, question number three. This is a fill in the blank. The most important game left on the Browns' schedule is blank. I'm going to say the Titans, Dan. I'm going to say the Titans because I don't really expect them necessarily to beat the Ravens. And I don't really necessarily expect them to beat the Steelers in case, unless the Steelers have everything all wrapped up, the number one seed, and they don't need that final game and they can rest some of their starters, which could happen. Um, but that game against the Titans, I think is vitally important uh, for, for the playoff implications because they're going to need the tiebreaker. Both teams are six and three right now. And it's going to, t- it, it potentially is going to take 10 victories to, you know, to get into the playoffs. I mean, I think you really need to just plan for at least that. And so therefore that's the one, I mean, I expect them to beat all the rest of the teams. The Titans is, is a team that is showing some chinks in its armor right now. And that head to head is going to loom so large in the end. That's, that's my game. Yeah, that was going to be my pick. I'm going to pick somebody else, but I'll just say on that Titans game, the head-to-head is really important because now it's it's really a two-team race, and that's AFC South. It looked like it was going to be the Titans for a while, and now the Colts actually lead in that division. Uh, you've got the tiebreaker over the Colts, but it doesn't do you any good if they win the division. So you'd right. like to have that tiebreaker over the Titans as well because if you lose that game, then you got to root like crazy for Tennessee to win the South. Uh, so that you that that tiebreaker could come back and play for Indianapolis. So yeah, the Titans is is was going to be my pick as well. But I also knew there was a chance that you could pick the Titans. So I am going to say that Monday night game against the Ravens. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's important, not necessarily that they win that game because the Ravens, even though what happened against New England, and I know things are a little messy there right now, that's still a really good football team. And Mm -hmm. that's still, you know, Pittsburgh obviously is undefeated, but the Ravens, you know, at the beginning of the year, were probably the class of the AFC North. And now I, you know, I still think that they can hang with Pittsburgh and, and honestly, they were leading Pittsburgh very late in their last matchup. So I think the Ravens are still a really good team. Now they're beat up, they're injured, but what you can't have happen is to go out there on Monday night in your stadium and lose by 30. Because I think if you do that, then the whole national narrative is just back to, well, same old Browns, you know, we fell for the Browns again. And I think it is important to go out and even if you don't win that game to show that you belong on the field with them, because everybody's going to be watching. Everybody's going to be hyped up because this team will be on a little run, even if they lose to the Titans. And so I think you need to show something in that game. You got to show to everybody out there watching that the Browns belong in the playoff discussion and that they're going in the right direction. And that next season, if not this season, the next season they belong in that discussion to, to compete for the AFC North. Yeah, a strong, strong case could be made for that, especially because, uh, as you mentioned, uh, they are starting to show a few chinks uh, in, in the armor. I mean, they have struggled a little bit. They have some injuries. One of the biggest injuries right now for them, I think, is Ronnie Stanley. I mean, they gave him yeah. a huge extension. Uh, their, their Pro Bowl left tackle, somebody that can handle Miles Garrett without draping two other guys on him every single play. Uh, somebody that can really try to block Miles and and really give Lamar uh, the time that he needs to do what what he needs to do. Uh, I think that's a huge loss for them. That is an absolutely huge loss for them, and one that Miles can potentially try to exploit. Um, and the fact that they are six and three right now as well, and they they've got some tough games still coming up. So, you know, they nothing is guaranteed for them either right now they actually have I think the seventh seed right now as we speak right I think they're number seven yeah they're number seven so I mean they've got to keep it going too Uh, now ironically they don't have the toughest schedule left either I mean they, they really don't I mean I think I did the math on this today and I added everything up and I I think they have um, that their their opponents have only 28 or 29 victories as well, and they might only be facing a, a remaining three winning teams too, like like the Browns. Uh, whereas the Colts, I think, have a tougher road to hoe. Um, the Raiders are closer to the Browns in terms of strength of schedule, but um, the Ravens they, they don't have that that many tough tough games left on the schedule, so. I don't know. It, it, that could that one could loom very, very, very large in the uh, in the playoff race at the very end of that game. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking their schedule up now, and they I mean they've played their two placing games, so the games that they played that are different from the Browns, and that was the Chiefs and the Patriots. So they've got the Titans coming up um, this week. You know, that's a good kind of measuring signal. They they have the Titans and the Steelers in back to back weeks. Now, if they can't beat the Titans, there's trouble, uh, and then they get that rematch with the Steelers. But after that, you're right. It's the Cowboys. They play the Browns on Monday night. And then they finish their season with Jacksonville, the Giants, and the Bengals. So they, they've got a chance to finish really strong if they can get through these next these next two. And then, you know, the Browns obviously would like to make their life difficult on, on Monday night football on December 14th. But their schedule definitely softens up. They get some of those soft games 
that the Browns had a little earlier uh, that they get some of those on their schedule um, as well. So, and a lot of home games too. I know home field advantage doesn't matter quite as much, but Tennessee's at home, Dallas is at home, Jacksonville and the Giants are at home. So that's four home games uh, here in this final stretch for the Ravens. So, you know, it does still matter a little bit, even if there aren't fans. Well, think about this, Dan, over the next two weeks, those two opponents that you just read off for the Ravens, I mean, chances are they're not going two and zero in those games. Okay. I mean, maybe one and one over the next two weeks, the Browns who are also six and three are probably going two and zero over their next two games. Right. So even though right now the Browns have like a 45% chance, just over 45% chance of making the playoffs, those chances are going to increase a lot over the next two weeks, because I'm pretty sure they're going to win both of these games. Now we've talked about it uh, because of the pass rush. The Eagles are, are not going to be a pushover for them. But I still think they're going to win. They're at home. I think they're going to win that game. They're going to win these next two games, and, and they're going to be eight and three. And there, there's a good chance that over the next two weeks, they're going to overtake the Ravens in the AFC North. Okay, we're going to take a break. And then when we come back, I got a doozy of a question for you. We're going to talk Miles Garrett and we're going to talk quarterbacks. All right, back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot. Four questions, and we are on to question number four, and this one's kind of a fun one. We're going to talk Miles Garrett and quarterbacks because Miles Garrett played a quarterback on Sunday that he will always be linked with, right? It could have been the Miles Garrett Deshaun Watson show here. It was not. Uh, so he ended up going against Deshaun Watson yesterday, and I thought it might be fun with the season Miles Garrett is having to go through and figure out which quarterbacks or – if we were starting a franchise, which quarterbacks would, would we not take over Miles Garrett, I guess, is one way to word it. Here we go. I'm going to read this here. How many quarterbacks are you taking over Miles Garrett? So I've got a list of teams here, of course. And we'll go through. And remember, this is about starting a franchise. So age might matter. Um, so let's just go division by division, right? So in the yeah. AFC North, we've got Big Ben. Lamar Jackson, uh, Baker, and Joe Burrow. So of those four, who, if you're starting a franchise, who would you take over Miles Garrett? Wow, this is, this is really great. It's tough, right? isn't it? It's very tough. So if we were starting a franchise, um, I guess I wouldn't take Big Ben over him because right. we're thinking that, that Big Ben only has maybe three years left or so. Who knows? I mean, these guys are playing forever now, but – but so I'm going to say no on that one. Um, I am going to say Joe Burrow. I would take Joe Burrow. I would take Joe Burrow. I, I really am, am incredibly impressed with Joe Burrow. He's a gamer, and I just think he's going to be an elite quarterback. So I would say yes, him. I would probably say yes, Lamar. Um if you were committed to doing the things that the Ravens do with him and try to get out of him, what they've gotten out of him. Uh, I would say yes to that one. That one's a little trickier though. It is. I'm still, right? I'm still thinking though. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on both of those though. Yeah. And then Baker, I'm saying no on Baker. I go miles over Baker. How about you? I, I don't really have a disagreement there. I think, you know, Ben's age, you know, and, and then I think you always have to err on the side of, upside when it comes to a guy like Joe Burrow. Um, so as good as Miles Garrett is, if you think Joe Burrow could end up being a top five quarterback someday, 
then I, I think you have to take him. I think we have enough of a sample size to feel good about Joe Burrow. Cause I might think differently about some other young quarterbacks when we come up to them. Um, but yeah, I can't disagree with any of those. I, I think you're probably taking three of those four over miles yeah. um, when it comes to quarterback. Now the AFC South is a different story. So you've got mm-hmm. Phillip rivers, Ryan Tannehill, Deshaun Watson, and I don't even know if we should discuss Jacksonville, you know, Gardner Minshew, <laughs> I guess I Loughton. I, I don't know. We won't even talk about Jacksonville's out. We're not taking any Jacksonville quarterback over miles Garrett. Probably not taking Phillip rivers, right? Because of the age thing. Correct. Right, so that leaves Ryan Tannehill and Deshaun Watson. I mean, Tannehill's kind of a yes or no. Would you take him over miles? If you were starting a team, I, I don't think I would. I wouldn't. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I think he's really good. Um, and, and maybe he'll continue to surprise me. But I'm going to say no on that one. Yeah, I feel like Tannehill, and, and again, he's, he's been great since he got there. And I think there's a little bit of a, he kind of carries those Miami years with him a little bit. Yeah. But I also think there's a lot of structure involved. Right. what he does it's, it's a little bit like what the browns do with baker although Tannehill is certainly playing better than baker so i mean i guess that brings up deshaun watson which is really interesting because i i mean i can't fault the browns for taking miles garrett number one over deshaun watson so i i don't know if i could actually sit here and say that i would absolutely definitively take him but i think i think if we were doing a redraft we obviously know who would go number one mm-hmm I think Deshaun would probably go number two if you did a redraft of the mm-hmm. 2017 draft. So I am going to say that I would take Deshaun Watson instead of Miles Garrett without saying that the Browns got that wrong. Cause I don't necessarily think they did. I just think right now, if we're talking starting a franchise from zero and you have a quarterback with the talent of Deshaun Watson, I'll probably go with him. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you on that because if you're starting a franchise, a franchise quarterback trumps a pass rusher, an edge, a really good edge rusher. The quarterback is number one. So if you think you have an amazing franchise quarterback, and I think we can pretty much agree that Deshaun is that, that trumps the great pass rusher. Now, I could be wrong about this, and I haven't looked this up, but I probably should. You know, when we think about Super Bowls and Super Bowl victories, how often is it the great edge rusher that wins the Super Bowl for you as opposed to the quarterback getting you there and winning the Super Bowl for you? Obviously you want both, but if you had to pick one, it's the quarterback, right? Right. And the, and the quarterback sus- kind of sustains success more. Right. You know, Von Miller wins that Super Bowl MVP, but Denver hasn't been back and they've sort of struggled because they haven't been able to find a quarterback. Um, so yeah, I mean, the quarterback sort of sustains that and makes you the contender year after year. Okay. So far we are in uh, complete agreement here. So let's go to the AFC West. I skipped the East. So we'll go back to that shortly. There, there's a doozy of a one in the AFC East, I guess. Um, Drew Locke, we, we're not going to talk about, I don't think we're taking Drew Locke, not taking Derek Carr, right? Mm. Ooh. Mm. I would say no. That's a tough one. That's right on the bubble. That's right on the right. bubble for me. For right now, I'm going to say no. All right. But I really like Derek Carr a lot. And he's getting better. And he's starting to show that he is climbing up into the 
sort of elite category. So this is that one's a tough call for me, but I, I, I think I'll agree with you. I'll stick with Miles there. See, I think that one's, I, to me, for whatever reason, I just feel like that's an easy one. I, I would take Miles. Um, Mahomes, obviously, you're going to take Mahomes. So Justin Herbert. This is an interesting one because he's played really well. He's getting some rookie of the year buzz. Justin Herbert or Miles Garrett? That's a good one. You know, I I haven't studied his his tape right. and but I think that's a problem I'm gonna have here too. You know, I, I wish that I knew more about him. You know, I, I've I've seen some of the highlights, but I haven't really like dug in uh, to really study and watch him enough to know to say he's the guy. I know I can, you know, I know he's going to, he can take me to a Super Bowl because that's where I'm setting the bar with, with this discussion is can this quarterback take you to a Super Bowl and win it? I'm not sure if he can yet or not. Maybe he can. I don't know. I, so I'm going to have to stick with miles because I just don't know the answer to this one yet. Okay. I think I'm going to take Herbert. I'm going to err on the side of the quarterback here. Um, I like the upside. I like what I think he can become. I think he's going to end up being a guy. Um, and also I'm kind of doing this because I know there's another young quarterback that I'm, I'm just think I'm going to say it's too early on. So I'm going to take Herbert here and save a spot for the guy that I guess might be a surprise when I say I wouldn't take him. All right. In the East, uh, let's see the New York jets. No, I don't think we're taking Sam Darnold over, uh, over miles, No. New England, not taking Cam Newton over Miles, right? Not this version of Cam Newton. No. Uh, which one do I want to do first here? Tua. This is the one I'll set. Tua is the one that I'm going to say I just haven't. He's played three games. So I can't say I would take Tua over Miles, although I really think he's got a chance to be good. Maybe by the end of the season, my answer is different. But I just want, I, yeah. I just wish I could see a little more of Tua. Exactly. And I feel that way too. Um, so I think you know, he's sort of falls in the same category for me as, as Justin. So since you took Justin, I'll take two. And then we'll revisit it at the end of the season. We'll do this one more time at the end of the season, or at least revisit our, our answers here. Um, just for the sake of, uh, for the sake of this pod, I, w- I will take Tua. And, and the argument for Tua is, had they both come out in the same class and had Tua been healthy, Tua would have been a higher pick probably like Tua would have been the clear cut number one. This wasn't like, you know, yeah. the draft miles came out and there were a lot of unknowns with those quarterbacks. Right. You know, nobody knew Mahomes was going to be who he was. Nobody knew Watson was, well, people liked Watson a lot, but he, he wasn't like, Dabo a did. what's that? <laughs> Dabo did. <laughs> Dabo did. Michael Jordan. <laughs> um, Mitch Trubisky, obviously that has been a, a disaster. So there were more questions. If Tua came out, he'd be like the Trevor Lawrence type prospect. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, he'd be the sure thing. So I think the argument there would be Tua would go ahead of Miles probably in an actual draft. All right, Mary Kay, here we go. Josh Allen. <gasps> yes. <laughs> okay. I, without hesitation, yes. Because, I mean, you know that I liked him coming out in the draft, right? And he has actually exceeded my expectations just in terms of being – a playmaker and what he can do with hurdling linebackers and doing some of the stuff that he does and just run, you know, he's a dual threat. He's a legit dual threat quarterback. 
mean, he's, he's a dual threat. He's a big guy. He looks like a linebacker. Um, and, you know, the arm strength is there and he has added in some amazing accuracy. Have you, I mean, have you gotten a chance to like really watch some of Josh Allen this year? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's been, he's been good this year. And what I, one of the things I really like about him is that he just, he, his arm talent has gotten so much better. I was at the senior bowl where he was like a wild stallion and it was, it was scary to kind of watch like where the ball didn't know where it was going. Josh didn't know where the ball was going. <laughs> the receiver didn't know where the ball was going a few times. Right. He has harnessed the power of the arm through a lot of good, really good coaching. Brian Dayball, Ken Dorsey, Jordan Palmer. These guys have gotten a hold of him and they've really, really honed his arm talent. When I watch him uh, this year, I see him not only varying the ball speed, you know, lobbing it into the end zone when it calls for that, throwing a bullet into the end zone when he needs to do that, throwing it from various different arm angles. If he needs to sidearm it, he'll do that. Uh, he, he, he has great arm talent and it's going where he wants it to go now most of the time. Yeah, this is a tough one. And, you know, this is one of those examples of like, you know, elite top level, one of the best edge rushers in the league versus, you know, a quarterback who's still developing that we don't know, we know a lot about, but we're also still kind of seeing where that trajectory is going to end up. You still almost err on the side of the quarterback. You know, I mean, we've, I've taken, I mean, I took Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. So how could I sit here and say, well, I would certainly wouldn't take Josh Allen. Um, so yeah, I, I think I would have to probably say that Allen ends up on my list um, just because there's something there, right? We've seen that now over a few years that, that there's certainly something there with them. Okay, we've done a whole AFC. The NFC is interesting. I don't know if there's really... So you're looking at Carson Wentz, uh, who's just in the middle of a disaster. I mean, if we did this two or three years ago, I think we'd probably say Wentz, but I don't know right. now. Right, um, Daniel Jones, no. uh, Dwayne Haskins. We'll go with Dwayne Haskins, I guess, for Washington because he's the youngest guy there. And Dak Prescott. Um, there's really only one on that list, right? Right. Absolutely. And that's Dak. Okay. So that's that was an easy one. Yeah. That yeah. Was I mean, with, with Wentz, like I said, maybe three years ago we're we're taking him, but, but probably not. But I mean, you almost can't now. Yeah. No, not right now. But I I would be interested to see who he is without all the injuries that they have this year and with a better supporting cast, uh, everything just seems off. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. We might feel differently two years from now, but right now, no. Yeah. Well, like I said, if he ends up in Pittsburgh and his <laughs> big Ben yeah. replacement, uh, all right. The NFC North, we've got Aaron Rodgers, uh, Nick Foles slash Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> Matthew Stafford and Kirk Cousins. So there's two I could make an argument for, and that would be Aaron Rodgers, of course. And I, I can make an argument for Matthew Stafford. I've always kind of liked Matthew Stafford. So I would say, I'm looking up here. I just want to double check to make sure I know how old Aaron Rodgers is. So Aaron Rodgers is 36. So he, and he's going to play forever. Um, he's, he's one of those quarterbacks. And Matthew Stafford is real quick here. Uh, Matthew Stafford is 30, only 32. So I thought he was a little bit younger. I think I would take both. I think both of those guys, definitely Rogers. Um, somebody could convince me that, no, you don't take Stafford, but I've always, I've always actually really liked uh, Matthew Stafford. So I think I would, 
probably take those two. Yeah, I've, I've always liked Matt Stafford too. And I've always been surprised that he hasn't been more successful. I just always yeah. waited for him to, right? To, to kind of like break out and be what everybody expected him to be and kind of, you know, if you're that good, you should be able to kind of carry a team. Um, and he just really, I don't know, just hasn't necessarily been able to do that. And, or maybe they're just not building him around him or coaching it upright. But I'm going to say no on that one. Okay. But I'm, I'm going to say yes on Aaron, even at the age of 36. I, I can't say no to Aaron Rodgers, even, even at that advanced age. Of course not. <laughs> um, okay, the NFC South. Again, a, a kind of interesting one. So Drew Brees, uh, Tom Brady, uh, Matt Ryan, and Teddy Bridgewater. I think here's my hot take. I think I'm taking miles over all those guys. I, yeah, I, I think a case could be made. I mean, how much longer can Tom Brady play, right? I mean, he, right. I, I mean, that's the thing. Brady's what, 43? Yeah. I mean, he drinks from the fountain of youth, for God's sakes, to be able to do what he's doing at the age of 43. But if, if he's got two more years left in him, two good years left in him, I can't see it being much more than that. I, I don't know. Right. So I would have to say no to him. Um, I would have to say no to Teddy. I'd have to say no to who else do we have again? Uh, Matt Ryan. And who did I miss here? Drew Brees. Yeah, I think Drew's getting to be almost done too. Yeah, this this might be about the end of the road for Drew. Uh, he he's gonna miss some time here too. It looks like so. Um, yeah, he's he's forty one. Matt Ryan, just so we have that, um, I think he's a year older than Stafford. Uh, I'm sorry, he's a couple. He's actually a few years older. He's thirty five. I was um, gonna say, I knew he had to be getting getting up there. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna say I, I'm gonna, I'm with you on this one. I'm gonna say no to all of them. I think when when as we're looking at the league right now, what we're seeing is just this infusion of really good young quarterback talent. I mean, the future looks bright at the quarterback position. I mean, they're exciting. I mean, how much fun did you have watching Kyler Murray play that game? Oh, he's a blast. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how, what is his 40 time? It's it's gotta be like, I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but man, I don't think he ran. I don't think he he ran a 40 at the combine. Um, I can't remember. Uh, Maybe I'll I'll look that up here as we get to our next division. Uh, the, The only case he could make is Matt Ryan. Yeah, I don't know. I've just never been a huge Matt Ryan fan for whatever reason. I've, I've just never, obviously he's won an MVP. He went to a Super Bowl and should have won the Super Bowl. But like, I, I, I don't know what it is. There's something weird about Matt Ryan. Um, and especially at age 35, I, I think I would probably go with Miles and take my chance at someplace else. I'm sure somebody out there is, is yelling right now saying, you're an idiot, take Matt Ryan. But yeah. I'm holding strong here. Okay, uh, this is another interesting division. So you've got Arizona with Kyler. Right, we're we're taking Kyler. No, mm. no question there. Okay, no question there. Uh, so I'll put him on the list here. I mean, I'll be honest. This is not a super long list considering the topic and the importance of a quarterback. Uh, the Rams, Jared Goff. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Hey, I'm taking Miles. Yeah, I'm I don't trust Miles. Goff game to game. Disappointing, Goff and Wentz these last few years. You know what I mean? Yeah. And golf has ended up golf has been better. I mean, golf can have games where he's really, where he's fantastic, but he's just, you know, he's kind of, he's that quarterback that they found 
that fits their system, works really well with Sean McVay, and paying him was better than, you know, going on a quarterback hunt in a lot of ways. Yeah. All right, so, yeah. so we're both going miles over Goff? Yes. Okay. Uh, Russell Wilson, got to take Russ. Oh, I'm taking Russ. Yeah. I love Russ. Even though I, he keeps losing for me in our pick spots, <laughs> he's let me down twice this season. But I still love Russ. It's not his fault. It's their defense. All right. I'm curious what you're going to say about this one. Jimmy Uh-oh. Garoppolo. Jimmy. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is a tough one. That's a tough <laughs> one. I almost single-handedly brought Jimmy Garoppolo to Cleveland. The same year they picked um, Miles. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to say Miles. Okay. I was hoping he wouldn't because I was going to say Miles too. Really? That's kind of where I'm at. Although I think Jimmy gets kind of unfairly, he's taken some unfair criticism. I think we're seeing what he means to that offense and that team. Like they just win games with him for whatever reason. It just works with Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback. So true. He wins. I still think I'm taking that elite Hall of Fame level pass rush talent over him. Yeah, that was a tough one. So here's what we ended up with. You had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I had eleven on my list, and okay. I think that says honestly that says a lot about Miles Garrett. That you know, I could have had Tua maybe as a twelfth. I could have had Matt Ryan as a thirteenth. But like both of our lists, you could maybe only add three guys. Maybe like, like we could sit down and really debate and talk us into you know, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, or uh, like I said, two on my list, Herbert's not on yours. So uh, more than anything, this kind of speaks to the talent Miles Garrett has. If you're starting a franchise that we didn't even list half the league or half the league's quarterbacks on our lists. Yeah, you're right. That that is saying a lot because as we mentioned before, a, a really, an excellent quarterback trumps an excellent pass rusher. If you're, if you're starting a franchise for sure. Okay. Well, that was fun. It was fun. I'm sure, I'm sure people would kill us for the guys we left off, but uh, that's all right. It's the nature yeah. of the business, right? Okay, four questions here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, seven of them a week come through on this feed, so you want to make sure you don't miss one. And, of course, check out Football Insider at cleveland.com slash browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page. For Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks.